This is worthlessly worthwhile. Oh yeah, I've been I've been crushing the Caesars lately too, guys. Here are your hosts, Art and Rich. Welcome to the program. It is worthlessly worthwhile. Uh, Friday, April 10th, Art Aronson joining me as always. Did you hear your name said that time? I heard it. Okay. It was really good. Uh, last time last time it, uh, it got past the goalkeeper there, you missed it. So, uh, yeah. yeah, thanks for, for joining us for another edition of this fantastic COVID-19 podcast. Um, COVID-19-inspired podcast, I guess you could say, because... Worthlessly worthwhile has always been, uh, you know, sports focused, but we, we like to venture off the beaten path into pop culture and whatever else is going on in the world. And right now there's not a lot of sports to talk about, so it kind of works really well with what's going on in the world, right, Art? Yeah, it kind of gives us uh, free free reign to just talk about whatever the hell we want. I'm okay with that. Sure. That's what we're here for. Um, <laughs> we, got, we got a little bit of sports to talk about. Um, the first thing I wanted to jump right into it, the Brandon Cooks deal. There's not much going on in the world, so Brandon Cooks getting traded to the Texans is like the biggest sports story that we have right now. <laughs> um, what the hell are the Houston Texans doing this offseason? Like, it was bad enough when they traded DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals for for basically nothing. I mean, I don't know. They got David Johnson, who's well past his prime and injury-prone, um they didn't get a lot for him so i get that they were talking about well he wanted he had a lot of years left on his contract he wanted to get paid more though he wanted to rework the contract and there was just a difference of opinions between them but if if you play your cards right you could still at least get value for him he's one of the top five wide receivers in the league but let's blow past that because we already talked about that trade and how bad it was um, but now they go out and they give up a second rounder for Brandon Cooks and they give up a fourth rounder um, as well. So or they get a fourth rounder with Brandon Cooks for a second rounder. Second rounder is pretty valuable. Brandon Cooks, not so much. Uh, Brandon Cooks has been really hurt. That guy's been traded like near just about every offseason that guy's been traded. Uh, I I like Brandon Cooks. I think he's a good receiver. Uh, he's not even close to DeAndre Hopkins. So, like, Hopkins is, like, well, top three wide receiver in the NFL right now. And to pretty much go from him to Brandon Cooks and David Johnson, it's 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 a fireable offense almost, to be honest with you. And I and Bill O'Brien is kind of like he's heated. Like, he, like, made this deal. It's like, it's like he got – he went all in – in poker or something and lost on the river and then feels like he needs to go all in on the next hand. You know, that's what it feels like. I feel like if, if you're an NFL GM and like Bill Belichick calls you or something, you're like, Ooh, I don't think I want to take this call. Just yeah, hit the ignore button. No, nah, I, I don't want that one. <laughs> Bill O'Brien, you know, yeah. your phone starts ringing. You see Bill O'Brien pop up. You're like, shut up. Everybody shut up. Bill O'Brien's calling me. Everybody just shut up right now. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get on the he's phone like, right away with Bill O'Brien because I don't know how he starts off his negotiations, but I, I've I got to assume it's like desperation mode right out of the gates. Like, hey, I really need a wide receiver. Do you have any? And Les Snead's like, <laughs> um, you know, we really need to keep all three of them. I don't know if we can part with them. Maybe if you give us a good <laughs> offer. 
It's like uh, we're going to talk about movies later on in this podcast, but there's the NFL movie called Draft Day. It's about the National Football League and how things shake down at the draft. And there's like the rookie GM in Jacksonville who just gets played by everybody, right? Just like real life. Uh, that's, that's Bill O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. That's just like that's just, let's that's Bill O'Brien right now. Everybody's taking that guy's call. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh, it doesn't look good on him. And uh, you know what? The thing about it is like if you look at the Houston Texans wide receiving core before Cooks was there, they still had Will Fuller. They had that Kiki Kutes guy who was a rookie last year, I guess. They had Kenny Stills. They could have drafted a wide receiver with the second overall pick, or sorry, the second round pick. They didn't need to go after Brandon Cooks, who, granted, Brandon Cooks is a veteran, good player. Uh, he's under contract for a few more years at a pretty decent price. I get that. But, no, I, I think I, I would have gone with what they had already, honestly. And I think most people would have done that. So, really, he got taken out to the woodshed there. We saw the tweet from Brad Evans, too, about – and it's a really good point. You look you look at the offense uh, – the skill positions they have outside of uh, the quarterback. So with the wide receivers, like you, you mentioned Kiki Kuti, uh, Brandon cooks. Now will fuller, they've got David Johnson at running back. Um, am I missing anyone from that group that, that was being referenced? Well, will fuller who's yeah. Will fuller was in there. So you look at these guys, all of them are so injury prone and uh, <laughs> the Brad Evans tweet about them being a pillow fight away from all of these guys being on the IR was just too good. Um, and it's true. <laughs> I don't like it. That's pretty like good. The the yeah. Yeah. The Yahoo noise bringing the flame there. That's, that's good stuff. Uh, yeah. Texans like they have a great quarterback. Deshaun Watson, he gives him a chance to win every game. I think he's that good a quarterback. Deshaun really Watson is. should be filing a lawsuit against Bill O'Brien after this offseason. He should be. He should be. He's sitting at home reading his phone going, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? You know? That's what he's doing. So, I mean, they went from having one of the best one-two punches at wide receiver in the NFL and in Fuller and uh, Hopkins to Cooks, who just can't stay on the field, and Fuller, who... He himself can't stay on the field either. So, yeah, way to go, Bill O'Brien. Yeah, when Fuller's healthy, I could totally see him being a number one receiver. He's not going to be as good as uh, DeAndre Hopkins was, but he he has the talent. He, he's he got the hands. Um, when he's playing and he's healthy, he usually dominates, but I liked him as the number two receiver. It was He was a great complement to what they had there. So, yeah, I don't. I don't like what the Texans have done this offseason. They took themselves uh, out of being in the mix, really, in the AFC. I think they're in a different class they're than still... the, the Chiefs yeah. or the Ravens. Like, they're not on that level yet, but they were in the top four AFC teams last year, and they could have just kept building. Um, and instead, they they didn't blow it all up. But, I mean, they really did make some moves that doesn't make them any better. I think it really makes them a lot worse. Yeah, and you know what? Everybody would be talking about that DeAndre Hopkins trade if if the whole Tom Brady leaving New England thing didn't happen. Like he'd be the laughing stock of the league. And then seemingly he wants to get back into it. The laughing stock of the league by making another trade, you know, a few weeks after. He always finds know. a Bill way. Bill O'Brien is yeah, I don't know. Bill O'Brien, he's just You had a great line. What was your, what was your line on Bill O'Brien? 
I believe I said that he's like the town whore because everybody gets to fuck him. <laughs> that's basically what his trading uh, resume is like. Uh, Rich Rich texted me that yesterday, which is Thursday, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. And I like I came out of my I came out of sorts reading it. I'm like that that just made my week. <laughs> okay, Art, so true. that's the that's the deal that did happen. Let's talk about the deal that didn't happen. Uh, you sent me a message the other day about. The Patriots, your team, signing Cam Newton to a one-year, $5 million deal. You said, I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. I was working, so I just saw the text. I didn't have a chance to, like, click on it or go onto Twitter to see confirmation or anything. I just said, like, oh, yeah, we, we knew it was going to happen and then left out of that. And then you messaged me back, like, maybe four hours later, and you're like, was that was that Cam Newton thing real? Like, did I did I make that up? What's going on? I can't find it anywhere. And uh, why don't you tell the story, Art? This, this story gets worse, and you haven't even heard this whole story. So first off, I see the tweet. It had Adam Schefter, who's the number one reporter in the NFL, and had his name attached to it. And I didn't look at the Twitter handle. That's what you got to do. You got to look at the Twitter handle. I didn't look at it. It was from a fake sports center uh account and i got bamboozled so it wasn't true it was it was fake i got camboozled that's what i got on this uh and you know it gets worse this is where it gets worse okay after i tweeted to you and you know unfortunately fortunately or unfortunately i have a platform i'm a radio reporter and anchor i went on to the air with that oh no so uh, and this is where it gets worse, guys. <laughs> and you know what? I in my in my defense, I am fucking really busy right now. This whole COVID nineteen is and and I think I was just happy for a number of reasons. I saw it and I thought it was a great deal for the Patriots. I loved it. I also was happy just to get anything sports because I put I've been putting nothing nothing in my sports cast for the last three weeks because there hasn't been anything sports except cancellations. So I went to the air with that. And, and someone texted in, texted in, was like, "What? I I haven't seen this Cam Newton thing anywhere." Someone texted the radio station because that's how they do it. You can like text into the radio stations now, right? And they're like, "Where where did you where did Art see this news about Cam Newton?" I'm a trusted voice in the local radio. Not anymore. <laughs> and I had to. So at five thirty that day, my last cast. At the very end of it. I apologize to all the listeners. I had to pull a retraction and say that I got camboozled. You know, if there's one um, team that you should have your finger on the pulse is the New England Patriots. I don't know how yeah, you it, let this a, happen. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing, okay? It's one of the it's one of the most embarrassing things that's ever happened to me in my career. Right, that's why would, I said it gets worse. What would Randy Taylor think about this mistake of yours? Randy Taylor would I be very disappointed in you. And that's the worst. You don't want Randy Taylor disappointed in you. That's our first radio news teacher. Uh, and here, here's where it gets even worse, okay? So the next day, I had uh, someone, someone like emailed into the station was like, where did I hear that about Cam Newton? I was arguing with my buddies online 
we were we were playing Xbox, and I had an argument with ten other people, and they none of them had heard this story, and I, and, and he was like, I kept telling them I heard it on the radio, I heard it on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> my my embarrassment of a reporting day had had an effect on people's lives, Rich. I have an effect on people's lives. There's Patriots fans not in the, the greater uh, greater Victoria area that have not yet recovered from learning and then unlearning about the Cam Newton signing. But at least, <laughs> so, I mean, at least they still another... have Brian Hoyer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at least I screwed up in this like real dismal time of COVID nineteen. I think people have bigger things to worry about than what the local radio anchor says about Cam Newton. So. I think people will forgive me, but still, it was an embarrassing moment. I that's the full. I think you're the only person that I've told. So whoever's listening to this well, podcast as well, you you've heard you've heard the full story. Now it's been broadcast to three, maybe four other people. So our our listener there you go. That's base the, knows all about the great it. cam, the great cam camboozled story of 2020. That's how I remember COVID nineteen. My idiot reporting. Anyway, yeah. it was supposed to be a one-year deal, $5 million. I should have known it was too good to be true. No former NFL MVP is going to sign a one-year deal for $5 million. Like, as okay. a quarterback, the worst quarterbacks in the NFL are making, like, $18, $19 million, you know? It, it was a fake story, but is $5 million that outlandish? I mean, you're right, former MVP, but he's not going to get starter money. Maybe he's going to get Chase Daniel money, like thirteen mil a year. Yeah, somewhere in that range. I think so. He's I think not going to get I, Teddy Bridgewater he'll money. Sign like, he'll sign for like thirteen, fifteen mil between there. I think somewhere in that range. Five is just like that's chump change in the NFL. Like that would be, that would be like Cam Newton. Like, did he lose an arm or something? You know, like that's <laughs> that's how you get Cam Newton to five million. I think. So. Yeah. I, gotta, I don't know. Uh, he's he's going to land somewhere. And it should be the Patriots. It should be. They maybe it him. will be. Probably not for $5 right. million, though. All right. I'm done talking about my ridiculous, terrible reporting antics of this week. Here's I something I've got to ask you about, Art. And yeah. it's kind of Patriots-related. <laughs> I mean, not anymore. Um, it's, it's the Tom oh. Brady story from today. So... Our uh, our Dan Patrick show, our beloved Dan Patrick show, which we both enjoy very much, has started selling Tampa Bay shirts. And um, Tom Brady today filed for his company, filed for a trademark on the phrase Tampa Bay. The DP show is already selling t-shirts that say Tampa Bay. So I don't know if he's doing this to put a stop to it because, that, you know, the show likes to have some fun. They make up these joke t-shirts. They sell them. I don't think they ever care enough to go down the road of getting their ideas trademarked. Like, even if they're the ones who... I think everyone came up with Tampa Bay. They're not the only ones. Um, but no. TV12 is trying to copyright it or trademark it. So... Okay. First... First off, have you seen the shirts? Have you seen the shirts that DP was selling? Was selling? The Tampa Bay? Did you of see course. It? I was going to get you one. Really? They're like, great. I'll, I'll tell you, like, that's a joke shirt. Like, that's not something you, I don't think you really want your name actually attached to. You know, I, 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 just, I don't get that, you know? But I guess, you know, I wish, and, and so 
Tom Brady, he's he's something else. Like, like he was he was on Howard Stern this week, and Howard Stern is like he's the biggest radio host. That's the biggest radio show in America. You know, you could say the world. And he surprised a lot of the people by going on Howard Stern. And everybody kind of was like, wow, Tom Brady leaves New England, and the first thing he does is go on Howard Stern, which is, like, risque. Every time you go on Howard Stern, you know you have to answer, you have to ask, you have to answer the tough questions or else you don't go on his show. Um, so I, I mean, this is a roundabout way of talking about Tampa Bay. And he and he and I listened to the – I listened to the the – the interview and there was some interesting stuff in there there was and there was talk in there though about like his his uh his brand going to tampa and like what what's uh what that meant for his brand and what it what it means for tampa bay and nowhere they didn't explicitly say tampa bay because it makes sense i realized the other day i was like oh tv tampa bay oh tom brady oh i wonder if tom's gonna do something with that right uh, so anyway, I laughed when I saw that and I saw that DP, our beloved DP show, they did a little, uh, video this morning. I don't know if you saw it. And Dan's just like, we get it, Tom, you know, but remember we had it first. <laughs> <laughs> the audience will it's never good if you haven't seen it. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, back, but back to the Tom Brady, Howard Stern, uh, interview, there's some good stuff in there about like showers. Like they talked about team showers and stuff like that. It was and he talked about Gronk in the shadows. I'm like, wow, this is taking a crazy turn. This sounds like the type of conversation that usually makes the rounds in the uh, dressing room of my beer league hockey team. There's a lot of shower talk. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he talks about like, yeah, team showers and what it's like, like, you know, growing up in sports and having to shower in front of a bunch of guys and stuff. There's some interesting stuff in there. So I, I recommend listening to the interview just for that. But I mean, Tom's still the king at really saying anything, talking for a very long time and not saying anything. So it's like the immovable object meets the unstoppable force when it's Howard Stern versus Tom Brady. So anyways, interesting just to just to hear that. So and you know what? It gave everybody in national sports talk, sportscasters everywhere the last couple of days something to talk about oh tom brady was on howard stern let's dissect every single line he says i don't know if you saw that but seriously there was whole shows on it i think highly questionable or highly quarantine or whatever they're calling it today like that's all they talked about was tom brady's interview with howard stern what else are they going to talk about <laughs> there's nothing, no, nothing else happening nothing. if you're tom brady and you go on that show you better expect that every media outlet is going to cover it because yeah. they got nothing else yeah. to talk about last thing i saw was that some places were covering marble racing like yeah tom brady talking on the howard stern show is going to be a topic on these shows for sure yeah like uh good morning football they like spent 10 minutes talking about that interview you know like what did you learn from this what did you learn from that and those guys are hilarious they're probably my favorite outside of dan patrick the good morning football crew there they that's my favorite show anyways there's something that caught me a bit off guard today art i don't know if you saw this yet but uh drew Brees is already lining up his future so we we know he signed the one year extension with the saints going back to new orleans what is he 40 39 40 40, years old now somewhere in there Yeah. yeah so 
Uh, 41. He's 41. Yeah, he's over 40. Everybody forgets that. We always talk about Tom Brady being an old fogey. How about Drew Brees being Who would have thought that when he was back with uh, San Diego that Drew Brees was going to play as a 41-year-old quarterback? But... But anyways, so he hasn't said this is going to be his last season yet, I don't believe. But he's already lined up his future as a broadcaster. And I know there's always been a lot of talk about Drew Brees getting in broadcasting someday when he ends his playing career. But I I didn't expect him to sign a deal with a network, but I really didn't expect it to be here. So uh, here's the news that came out today that Drew Brees um, has an agreement with NBC And so the agreement is just saying that after he retires, he will join NBC. Um, And so it says that he'll be an analyst. He's going to start as an analyst on Notre Dame games and in the studio for football night in America. So easing him in a little bit as an analyst, not not throwing him like the Jason Witten route, which clearly did not work out for Witt. I know there's the Tony Romos of the world that can jump right in and be a huge success. Uh, but it's a risk, and Drew Brees has a very strong legacy in football, and you don't want his public image to be hurt by throwing him into the fire too early. So I think putting him in <clears throat> as like an analyst is a good idea to start. But it does say that he will eventually move into the Sunday night football booth, and that surprises me. I know Al Michaels is probably going to retire sometime in the next four or five years, somewhere in there. They've got Mike Tirico on staff. I I don't know how NBC has all this talent, um, but is Chris Collinsworth really that close to calling a career? Because it sounds like they've already hired his replacement. And I don't know if the plan is to have Tariko with Drew Brees, um, but maybe Collinsworth is just attached to Al Michaels and he says, once, once Al retires, I'm done too. I don't know. That's interesting, but uh, wouldn't you like the prospect of Drew Brees and Mike Tariko? I feel like that'd be pretty strong. I mean, right? I'll take Mike Tirico with anyone. That guy's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think Drew Brees is very personable. Uh, I, also, I also love what he's doing down there in Louisiana, by the way, during this crisis, giving so much of his money to feed people and everything. Um, that's a side note. But I, I think Drew Brees is smart to think about life after football. And I think a lot of guys don't, a lot of football players, a lot of athletes don't think about that. Um, curious about Notre Dame being, I mean, Notre Dame, obviously like those games are, you know, that's, that's top of the line in football, in college football. But, um, yeah, that's, that's surprising. Uh, and I like, yeah, I like that they're, how they're starting them small and going up. Uh, I think it's just him being a smart person, being a smart businessman. I think that's what it is. And realizing that, you know, he can't play football for the rest of his career, He'd like to, or let rest of his life. He'd like to, but he can't. So, uh, what's the next best thing? Talking about football. That's what he knows about. I mean, if I would, if I were any kind of football player, that's what I would be doing. You know, if any kind of athlete, any kind of athlete in any sport, I'd be thinking about life after my career is over. And I think that's just smart. You know, like Tom Brady, he does it with his TB12 thing, right? That's that's what he does. He has his he has extracurricular outside of football. So as you get older, too, and he sees the end is nearing, you know, like he probably thinks this might be his last year coming up here, right? Think about the money so he has, I think, though. Uh, That's what always gets me yeah, about but these when you moves. Give, yeah, but when you're giving away $10 million and, you know, here and there, and 
I don't know how much tax he pays or how many, you know, what kind of charities he has with his other money, you know. You when you have money, you spend money, right? Right? Big more more money you have, the more money you spend. More money, more problems, Stanley. Yeah, yeah. More money, more problems. <laughs> so anyways, I just think it's a smart business move. That's the way I see it. Well, I think I think he'll be good, but he's he's not the controversial type at all um i don't see maybe he is we don't really know maybe he is i don't know i think he's a bit of a schoolboy, don't you think <laughs> uh, i think drew Brees has that squeaky yeah. clean image you know the wholesome family with the rough and tumble boys that wrestle each other on the sidelines of the pro bowl um yeah i don't know i, I don't know tony romo kind of had I... a bit more edge to him i guess he he was kind of bland. I, I mean, like people saw Tony Romo as bland uh, in his his media remarks. Drew Brees feels very polished. Like everything he says is for a reason. And if you ask him about something controversial, he steers the conversation. You know, he has it's like the Tom Brady that you were mentioning earlier, like yeah, saying a lot without saying yeah. anything. Like Drew Brees has that as well. He's gonna have to find a way to turn that off if he's gonna be calling games. And, and you know what? what what's going to hurt him or help him maybe is watching Tony Romo, right? And Tony Romo, and the thing about Tony Romo is not only is he great at predicting plays and reading football, he just knows a lot about the game, but he's a likable human being. Like, he's like, he feels like you're talking to him. You, you know, it feels like you're just talking to your buddy. That's what it sounds like when he's on the air, when he's doing it. So, uh, we'll will Drew Brees try and emulate Tony Romo or will he try and, you know, bring his maybe more cerebral, like you, what'd you call him? What'd you, a schoolboy? What did you call him? Schoolboy. There. Yeah. Like, is he going to bring that? Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like everything after Tony Romo and them both playing the same position, that can be an advantage or a disadvantage and probably more of a disadvantage at this point because you're coming second, right? After Tony Romo. I don't yeah. know. We've never seen it. Like Tony Romo is like one of a kind, really, right? Mm -hmm. So, I yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, and he he'll he'll figure that out, right? To to figure it out, to figure out what what type of broadcasters he's going to be. It's just trial and error, but I I do think you know starting him on a smaller stage, not that Notre Dame games is that small, but maybe it has something to do with the the fact that Tariko calls the Notre Dame game. So if they're if their plan is to pair those two together in the Sunday night football booth at, at some point, get the chemistry going before then. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Art, um, you had a big big day earlier. I think the, the biggest part of your day was that you finally finished The Tiger King. <laughs> you finished the, the show. I, I watched it over the past week and a half as well. We got to dive into it. First question for What'd you. What do you think? Yeah, first question for you with you you've come out of it, you've seen it all now. Did Carol do it? Yeah. Carol Baskins, that bitch, she definitely did something. She definitely knows more than she's letting on. I think everybody can see that. Like even like one of her last interview like clips that they showed on the show where she like is like positively giddy that Joe's in jail and the verdict came down that he was sentenced to 22 years and how she like looks off camera 
and has that crazy look in her eyes. I'm just like, this this bitch is nuts. Absolutely nuts. She did something crazy. And uh, yeah, she she definitely did something. There's where, something where, about, where are you on that? There's something about the way she talked about it that like really threw me for a loop because she, I know it was like an awkward laughter, but she's like talking about the theories that people had about the fact that she used the meat grinder and then fed them to the tigers. And she's like, you know, oh, can you imagine... I, I could barely fit anything in there, let alone... I couldn't fit his hand, let alone his whole body. Ha 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 ha! Can you imagine I grind it up and feed him to the tigers? Ha 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 Like, is that really something that you would be laughing at? If you really cared that your husband disappeared? Like, I... If... I'm convinced that she was involved, but even if she wasn't, I'm very convinced yeah. that she's happy it happened. It's like, crazy shit happens down there in Tampa, you know, or in Florida. Crazy shit happens there, and you know, I and, and she gave like other her other alternative for like how he could have like gotten into a plane and just flown off like in into the water. It just it was very flimsy, very very flimsy. So I don't think anybody believes her. Nobody no. does. No. Nobody I know that's watched that show believes that she doesn't know more than she's let on. You know, my my evaluation of the show as a whole is that every single one of them is a piece of human scum all of them not not every person that gets interviewed but like all of the people who have some sort of involvement with owning cats or having them on their property including carol right but some of the workers that were at the uh at joe exotics place at his zoo i i like those people like uh jeff cowie i think the the guy's name the 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 guy who had his like arm and the guy who had like his arm cut off. Well, that was a that lady guy. Art. I thought that guy. Oh, I think it was a guy actually. Yeah, there was some talk about how they he was like um, transgendered or whatever, and oh, okay. wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. I was I was talking with that with someone else, and they they had gotten that wrong because they like referred to him as a her a few times in the doc, and they had gotten that wrong. I read something about it as well. There was but also on the, the guy side with note, the fake I... legs from the the ziplining accident. Yeah, he yeah. Was... I like I liked him too. He was a good guy. So there were some good, likable people just in liked, that show. Yeah. Uh, but no, you, you're absolutely right. Like, all the main players, they're all scumbags. All of them. Like, Joe, too. I don't I don't know. I, I kind of, like, thought I was going to get into this, and people were, like, telling me that you'd be on one side or the other. And I'm just like, I'm not a fan of Joe Exotic. I mean, I find him entertaining. Like, everybody finds him entertaining. His stupid music videos country music videos i mean i've howled every time though every time they brought that up uh i i, I they're all scumbags jeff Lowe to that oh that, jeff Lowe that was a guy. total scumbag oh right yeah and yeah carol baskins of course is two shits crazy to the wind and uh and and the uh the other uh owner what was his name Ant antler I doc antle yeah, Doc Antle. Yeah, he's great. I feel like they could do a documentary on him. You know? Oh yeah, like, for just sure. on him. He he was much smarter than the rest of them. He's very intelligent, mm. but he was just yeah. as crazy and just as horrible as the rest of them. Like that was the main difference. Joe Exotic, he he wasn't he wasn't that intelligent. Carol Baskin, I don't know how smart she was either. Really, I mean, she got away with it, so she must have been that smart enough but but doc antle was like he's on another level of intelligence but he was 
as big of a piece of scum as the rest of them. Well, if that if that story is true that Joe told us about how he like put down the Cubs when they were too old, like that's like he should be put down for that if that's true, you know. There's your song. <laughs> this is just good music, Art. <laughs> Here's the thing that gets me about this music. Who is singing? That is not his voice. Yeah, it's not his. <laughs> that is not Joe Exotic. <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, let's get uh, Garth Brooks to do the voiceover for this music video and call it Joe Exotic. Yeah. You know, like. Here's the main part. The thing that I didn't get about this whole thing is he wasn't the only one. Like, Carol did music videos too. What is it about these people that they're obsessed with doing music videos about their cats? They just, li they just live in a different world, right? That's, that's what I... It's just like... Yeah, we all we we all live in North America. We all live in a Western society, a democratic society. Well, we we'd like to think it is. Uh, they just like it's a different world down there, though. It just yeah. is like especially you can't comprehend in the South. It. Yeah, the guns too, the gun culture, the just the hillbilly style. The yeah, it's just it's just crazy, and that that's the biggest uh, doc. Where would like what would you? Okay, looking at this doc, though, and looking how it was set up and all the interviews and everything and how it told the story, like, is it one of the best docs you've ever seen? That's my question. Because that's what everybody, like, this this doc came so hyped to me. So hyped. I'm sorry, but we, we've had this conversation. I think we're on the same page. This is recency bias. Tiger yeah. King is very interesting. Very interesting, right? But it is not the best documentary ever made. There's so much better documentary series. I We had this conversation with Kirby on the last podcast, and he was like, no, this is better than Making a Murderer. Uh, it's up there with Wild Wild Country, which now, because he said that, I'm, I'm going to check out Wild Wild Country because that looks pretty crazy too. I don't know if you've seen that one. Um, but Tiger King is just a phenomenon right now. But in five years, nobody's going to look back and be like, you know what the greatest doc series ever made was? Tiger King. It was, it was so influential. Like, no, it was just like really corny content to watch. Like it, it was just yeah. fun to watch. But yeah, no, it's, I, it's not I, the greatest. I, I, yeah. It's just like Joe Exotic himself. It's entertaining. Mm -hmm. You can't keep your eyes away from it. That's what it is. I don't. I don't think. I don't know. Like, I I give credit to the doc, the the documentary makers and the producers. Like, he obviously, clearly, that that one guy went through so much trouble. Like, he did everything to get the audio, the video. Like, and you got to give him a lot of credit for that. Uh, but like, yeah, when it, in terms of subject matter and it's whatever, it's it's very entertaining. But I'm not going to remember it as the like. I'll remember the two Escobars as a better documentary. You know? Well, for sure. So. 30 for 30s, there's a lot of them that would be considered better than Tiger King. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, this, but, like, Tiger King is getting so much credit right now. It's it's insanity. What about really? OJ Made in America? 
There's another one, you know? Way better. I'm, I'm guessing MJ's The Last Dance is going to be better, oh, too. Oh, man. The countdown is on. We're going to have to have an episode of Worthlessly Worthwhile to break down every episode of The Last Dance. Like, I am so yeah, excited yeah. for that documentary. And if you haven't heard about it, the unprecedented back backstage access to that 1997-1998 Chicago Bulls championship team. Apparently, lots of shit goes... I mean, Dennis Rodman is there. Phil I mean, Jackson is there. Rodman's at his craziest. Mike, yeah. Michael Jordan is there. Scotty Pippen is there. Steve Kerr is there. Like, so many great personalities are going to be in this doc, man. That's how great this is going to be. I can't wait for that to come out. Yeah. 12 parts. Give us, give it. 12 hours, man. Is how it 12? unreal is that? I thought it was 10. Yeah. I think it's a 12. I think it's 12. I could be wrong. I better, I better fact check that before I... You probably have already know. reported that it's 12. Screw myself so. again. I've probably reported that it's 12. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not going to live that one down. Not going to live that one down. Now, that might be the only sports we watch for a while. The closest thing, anyways, is the, the Last Dance ESPN series, unless Major League Baseball has its way. Well, not really. I mean, they, they deny that this is the way they're actually seriously considering going down. Uh, but it's a story because they're considering it, at least. Um, so the the first report that came out was that Major League Baseball was talking about doing the entire season in Arizona at, like, the spring training ballparks. Uh, no fans, of course. But the big part of the story, I think, was that they were going to have to like isolate everyone involved. So the players were going to have to be away from their families for who knows how many months. And all they were going to do is baseball, nothing else. They weren't going to be able to go out. They'd have to just play the game, go back to their hotel, nothing else, which look, I, I want sports back too, but is it really worth it? Like in a world pandemic and this, what we're dealing with in the world, do we really need to force these guys away from their families to, for our entertainment? They're not, they're not tigers. I mean, we don't need to do that for our entertainment, right? <laughs> um, no, the answer is no. But here's the newest report is from Bob Nightingale, really um, respected baseball reporter. Bob Nightingale knows a lot about Major League Baseball. He's he's usually pretty pretty accurate with his reporting, and so he's uh, reporting that another. Of what he he says, one of many proposals. So obviously, there's a lot of different proposals floating around. They're trying to figure out a way to play the season and try to get it going as soon as possible. But uh, the proposal that he wrote about was that they would abolish the American League and the National League for this season only, and then realign the leagues based on geography and their spring training homes through Florida and Arizona. So you would basically have like an Eastern Conference and a Western Conference. And you'd have the the Eastern Conference in Florida and the Western Conference in uh, Arizona. That's where things have got with baseball now. This is the sport that refuses to innovate. They are so set in their ways because baseball is all about history and tradition and all this crap that nobody cares about except the baseball purists. But they don't want to do anything innovative. Like... This is the sport that is having people die or get seriously injured when a baseball comes 
and hits them on a foul ball and they're like well we can't put nets up because we don't have them before <laughs> it's insane yeah. um and they did finally do it but they're talking about abolishing the national league and the american league for this season oh i just i can't even imagine what baseball purists are going to think of this idea i love it though uh apparently the blue jays would be in the Grapefruit League East, they would call it, with the Yankees, the Pirates, the Phillies, and the Tigers. Very interesting the way it could work. Like, it would be fun. It'd be fun to watch and see these teams play against teams that we never see them play, really, because you get the the interleague, you get a little bit of interleague, but it would just be really interesting to see um, them in a division with the Pirates and the Phillies and even the Tigers, like, going back to the the early 90s and the 80s when they used to be in a division with the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, obviously that'd be interesting if they could actually pull that off. But I, I, I can't even think about that. Like, people are dying. Like, we're, like, and I hate to bum this down here. Like, there was almost, there was almost 900 deaths in New York on Wednesday. Like, I don't know how you can even think about starting up any sort of league right now when you have a crisis like this going worldwide, going across America, across Canada. You just, it's, and and I understand how much money is involved right now and they're paying players not to play. And I understand why people are throwing these proposals around, but really it's just, it can't, you can't do it. It's bad optics and it's just, and I know they have TV deals and everything like that, but that doesn't matter. We got to beat this pandemic before there's any sort of sports entertainment. I agree, that's, that, and that's just I just I just think that's as as interesting as it sounds to have the you know the Phillies and the Jays in the same division and realignment and all these cool innovative ways. And that really, let's be honest, baseball probably needs right now. You know, yeah, they should do this without the pandemic. You know, uh, I just uh, I just I just don't see how sports can start until we figure this out. So really, for me, until a vaccine is out, we can't really start sports. That's the way I see it. That's going to be a long ways Any away. Sport. 18 months minimum. I know. Yeah, that's brutal, right? It's a lot of that's Netflix. really tough, but but when you're yeah, but when you but when you hear these stories about, you know, 800 900 people dying in a single day, Like it's a no-brainer if you ask me. Like we have to stop this. This is this is our defining moment, right now. No, I completely agree. Um, especially when I think for the most part people are taking the social distancing guidelines seriously and following. But what is what kind of message does it send to those that are like I don't know if this is really needs to be that serious, or even people who are like Yeah, okay, I, I'm taking it seriously, but then they're easily influenced and they see. 18 guys playing baseball against each other and managers and everything else that goes along with a baseball game besides the fans. And even if they're all isolating to do it, it's not the way it appears on TV. We don't see the isolation happening. So all you're seeing is like, oh, it's not that big of a deal to go play a baseball game. Like I should go start up a, um, you know, just a, a game with my friends at the field, get 18 people together, play some slow pitch or something. So I, I just don't think it's a good idea. Let's let's just commit ourselves as a society to beating this and not worry about sports and entertainment. It's just not the most important thing. 
I 100% agree. I think we can leave it at that. I 100% agree with you. This took a dark turn, Art. So we gotta it we did. gotta lighten it up. This is a feature that I've been planning for a while. I'm pretty excited. So let's just. I'm gonna cue the theme music for our next feature. That's right, Art. It is time. I hope you've done your homework. Those of you who do not know what that song is that I've just played, feel free to just get get off this podcast. Like, turn it off. Don't ever listen again. You're dead to us. <laughs> that is the Office theme song. And so what we want to do now is we're going to take an Office character and uh, cast that character with a sports figure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start this off. Art, I hope I hope you've prepared because I've got some good ones. But you gotta you gotta really think about. I feel the like characters. this is this is, this is gonna be this is gonna be more reacting to your to your to yours. I think that's the way this is gonna be because okay, I had so a hard time with this. So this go is gonna me. be good. I I've been excited about this for like a week and a half when I came up with it. So um, let's start with Michael Scott. You know, he's he wants to be liked, but he's a little bit quirky. And he says things that are really silly and off the wall, but he is a likable person. So my Michael Scott, the sports figure that I'm casting as Michael Scott is... Meta World Peace is Michael Scott. <laughs> here's the best part. Michael Scott's alter ego prison Mike is Ron Artest. <laughs> totally is. <laughs> is that not the best casting for Michael Scott ever? It is. It is. I didn't know where you were going to go with this. I was going to be like, uh, uh, who, who is off the wall like that? Yeah, so that's great. That, that's really good. That's good. That's I don't, I don't good. know I like that there's any... I couldn't think of anyone better than Meta World Peace and... He he was uh, he was actually on Big Brother Celebrity last year and got like a little bit more insight into his personality. He is Michael Scott. Like he he is his his personality now. He wants to be liked and he's quirky and he says things that don't make any sense. Like he is the Michael Scott. So I think he's the perfect perfect one. Um, so the next one I've got is Jim. He's he's, he's ignorant. He's ignorant to how he comes off. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The next one I got is Jim Halpert. Um, this one I struggled a little bit with, but I went with Brett Favre. Um, the reason that I have Brett Favre playing Jim is due to Jim's indifference. Uh, you know, first he leaves Scranton to go to Stanford, but then he decides to come back. Then he wants to go work in Philly, but then that's not working out. So he returns again to Scranton. So, you know, it's kind of like Brett Favre. He retires, <laughs> he comes back to play, he retires, he comes back. Huh? Eh? No. Uh, sure. That sure, was a swing, sure. Swing and a miss on Jim sure. Halpert. Swing. swing. It's a swing. It's a. I'll give it a single. It was a single weak rounder. It's, it's a, a throwing rounder. error to Martinez. It's a seeing eye single. Yeah. Sure. sure. Okay. Uh, we'll continue. My Dwight Schrute casting is Plexico Burris. Can you guess why I have Plexico Burris cast as Dwight Schrute? Uh, why would you 
cast Plexico Burris. I mean, no, I mean the, the thing that Plexico Burris is most famous for is, isn't it shooting himself in the club? Yeah. Isn't that what he's most famous for? And Dwight didn't get promoted to to uh, the manager position because he accidentally fired a gun in the office. <laughs> Just like Plexico Burris. Okay, yeah, you're 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 like digging really deep into these, and I, and I love I love your enthusiasm. I love it. Okay, some of these are not as good, but we're gonna go through them anyways. I've got my my Andy Bernard is Henrik Lungfist because Andy would rather be a musician, and Henrik Lungfist is in a band. So that's about as as close as I got for my Andy. Uh, Pam Halpert, I've got as Brooke Henderson, the girl next door type. Canadian golfer Brooke Henderson playing Pam Halpert. Uh, this one I think is good. My Ryan Howard is not Ryan Howard, the baseball player. Would have oh, been an easy casting, be. right? But no. <laughs> I, I went with Chad Ochocinco because... He always has some sort of like crazy business that he's pitching on social media. Like woof.com. <laughs> Could work. Did Chad and Chad Ocho Cinco's a little crazy, let's be honest, right? Yeah. And so is Ryan, we found out. Exactly. He started off as office. normal, um, but then he slowly showed his crazy side. <laughs> so Kelly Kapoor, no, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna right. make you guess based on my my uh the reasoning from this one. Kelly Kapoor, she wants all the attention. So, who do you think I cast as Kelly Kapoor because she always wants all the attention? Eugenie Bouchard? Eugenie Bouchard is the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay. She does want all the attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, just follow her social media. You'll see it. I don't know if she picks up a tennis racket very often these days, but she knows how to take a, a picture and post it. I I have a theory that she she like she has recorded herself um, hitting balls, and then she uses the same recording over and over again, and she keeps playing it that it's, one time. It's probably accurate. <laughs> Uh, Stanley Hudson is a grump, as Michael Scott once put it. So my Stanley Hudson casting is Greg Popovich. <laughs> okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, this one is a bit of a, a recent uh, reason. So Daryl, Daryl Philbin, just he seems to he keeps getting passed up for that promotion. You know, he wants to be the manager. But he just can't Damn. get the job. And Eric Bienemy is my <laughs> Daryl Philbin because he just keeps getting passed up for that promotion. Darryl, that's a coordinator for Darryl. the Chiefs. Okay, sure. I've got uh, I've got some other good ones in here. Let's see. I've got uh, Creed is former Giants pitcher Brian Wilson. Just has that feel. Yeah, yeah. Meredith is Brandy Chastain because she keeps taking off her shirt. <laughs> okay. Kevin sure. Malone is Ray Allen because of the basketball episode. Kevin's just got that perfect jumper. He just keeps Switch. hitting him. Just keeps hitting him. <laughs> uh, Angela is over. Maria Sharapova because uh, feels like she's Maria Sharapova feels like she's kind of like stuck up a little bit. 
Angela's the same. Mm. And and she um, sh- and she screams and shrills like that, very shrill scream. Exactly. Right? And yeah, like uh, Robert California, I have as Phil Jackson, just because I could see Phil Jackson being like, "I am the Lizard King." <laughs> These are all good. Yeah, and so, I, I love how much Jeffrey you put out. Those those are my office uh, characters cast with sports figures. If you have I love have any additions, please hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Rich Brown Sports. Art is at Art Aronson, and our show Twitter does not exist. No, it does not. I I, I was gonna put like the only one I could really think of was like Dwight Schrute as uh, you know Russell Westbrook. That just I feel I like they're it. just they're so they're so crazy. You know, they're just they're crazy, crazy, crazy. But they're great. They're great at their jobs. But they're crazy. You know. Yes, like the dedication that Westbrook has to yeah. basketball and to like being the best and not caring yeah. about how anyone else sees him. I could see Russell Westbrook yeah. as being that way with basketball. So that's a good, it's a good comparison. And, and uh, Russell Westbrook thinks he's the best. Absolutely. He for thinks sure. he's the best. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's the only one I can think of. So Art, some sad news came out today from the football world. We're looking forward to the 30 for 30. This was the XFL part two as the XFL (laughs) calls it quits. And the report says that they have no plans to operate in 2021. So when they canceled the season because of the COVID situation, they said that the plan was that the season was being called off, but they would be back next year. So it sounds like it's not coming back. Um, They made it even less time this time around than the first incarnation of the xfl but i actually kind of like the xfl this year it gave us something to watch they didn't go with crazy gimmicks but they did have some pretty innovative rules that made it a little more enjoyable for the viewer like um the i think it was what a 25 second play clock and you could talk through the headset right up until the snap and that's how they they got it so um, the plays were getting off quicker and whatnot and some other rules in there to make it a little bit more enjoyable you got the access with the microphones on the sidelines and the coaches being mic'd up and everything you could hear the play calling some really innovative rules and it was exciting to see where they could get to because really I mean we we just saw the start of the XFL and the play was not going to be that good we knew that but as teams got to know each other a bit more coaches got to figure out the rules Things could have got pretty good. So a little bit disappointing that uh, the XFL appears to be done once again. But I have a feeling they will come back again. Even if they miss out next year, Vince McMahon has money. And I think they proved that there's an appetite, especially if you can get the gamblers on board. That's where the money is. Like, this is just, like, it's just bad timing for the XFL, mm-hmm. too, you know? Like, it's like it's it's, des- it's like it's destined to fall. Like, in back in 2001, you had 9-11, right? And here you have this pandemic, like, two of the craziest, most devastating things to happen to North America, you know, to the world, whatever. And this is while the XFL is trying to, like, get going. Like it's like it's not like it's like it's not meant to be for the XFL. Uh, did you see the gif, the the clip that they like the only thing that they acknowledged like publicly from their accounts that they were shutting down 
it was like a clip of uh it was like a seven second clip on twitter and it's like jake gyllenhaal like kissing the cloud like crowd goodbye like with a tear in his eye sort of thing you, you check it out on twitter it's, it's 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 a pretty good clip but that was that was yeah and look i i didn't really watch a whole lot of the xfl i i like i don't know i just i if it if uh, if it had gone on like a second season i think maybe i definitely would have gotten a little more into it um but I, I was curious about some of those different the rule changes that they had. They had some innovative stuff in there, like you said. Um, yeah, you're right though. This is Vince McMahon. This is like, he's he's crazy too. Like he he has money. He's not going to stop trying. There's so much money in football. Like America loves football. Like people want a piece of that pie. The NFL has been like just gobbling it up for so many years people want some of that so i get it and you are going to see something else you you're absolutely you're bang on right about that the other thing is the wwe continues i mean they're not getting ticket sales but they're still making money so i don't i don't think vince mcmahon is hurting they're they're still operating uh wrestlemania just happened and i think they're still doing their regular is it still Monday Night Raw and Thursday Night SmackDown? To empty, yeah. Something empty, like that, yeah. right? You know? Tuesday, yeah. Monday and Tuesday, I think is what it is. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. you know, yeah, to empty stadiums, but they're still operating, so they're still making money with their ex, uh, WWE network that they've got and everything. So, you know, Vince McMahon, I think he'll be all right. Don't uh, don't shed a tear for him. He should be, should be able to come out of this just fine. And I, I think XFL Part 3 will happen at some point um but one thing that's not going to happen is the upcoming ufc event that was scheduled for a deserted island but uh (laughs) as it turns out dana white's genius idea was not so genius after all and the show will not well it's already it's it's the movie it's already been done in a movie by the wwe or the WWF back then, it was called The Condemned. I don't know if you remember this. It starred Stone Cold Steve Austin, had a couple of other action stars, and it was a bunch of convicts that went to an island, and people, like, filmed it, and it was, like, these convicts playing to the death. They had to kill each other, and the last person, it was, like, the Hunger Games with convicts in on an island. So this has already been done by the WWF. So, sorry, Dana White, you're late to the party. Another what? ridiculous, like... My thought when it came out with this idea of like, hey, don't worry, we're going to buy a private island, we're going to be able to hold international fights, no problem. Like, okay, how are these people going to leave their countries and get back with all of the restrictions that are going on right now? And with all the different people that are coming to this deserted island to put on this show, isn't it possible that the disease (laughs) comes with them at some point? And then it spreads to everyone. Like, what is the point of the deserted island or the private island or whatever? Like, what what was that going to accomplish? I don't understand. Um, I don't know if he actually... Did he buy the island or was he just talking about buying the island? But uh, no matter what... Renting the island, it's like a fire fest thing. That's what it feels like, you know? <laughs> That's what it feels like. That was a good documentary, by the way. Firefest was a great documentary. I watched the one on Netflix. I guess there was one on... Um, oh, there was another one, too. I can't remember what platform it was on. They said both were very good. I watched the Netflix one. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
you're crazy, Dana White. Like, this is like, I don't know. It's like everybody's out there trying to find a way to, like, help people and end this pandemic. And he's talking about going to an island so he can get his product going. Oh, I don't know. I don't mean to draw it to a dark turn right now, but we need to be focusing on the issue at hand right now. Not doing crazy things like this. Is there a worse sport for social distancing than mixed martial arts where they're like grabbing each other? And I think in the last big fight, a guy licked blood off another one. Like, this is not going to help people. Oh, I know. There's a lot of hugging. There's a lot of grabbing and grappling going on in mixed martial arts. Some people love that. I'm not a huge fan of it, to be honest with you. But... You know, everybody like wants to find a way to get the market right now because nobody is watching anything. That's our problem. What I'm learning about this whole thing is that when everyone is at home, there's ways to create interesting content because you there's availability of everyone. People are bored. They just want to do something. And the content that's getting churned out based on this is very different than the content we're used to. Um, but something that caught my eye on Twitter yesterday, I, I got to send it to you because it was it was cut down from apparently a three hour Zoom chat. So it started with it was a bunch of ESPN personalities. It was Katie Nolan, uh, Mina Kimes, Mike Golick Jr., Diana Rossini, Pablo Torre. There were two others. I think Amin, I can't remember his last name, um, and I I don't know who the seventh was, but they were on a Zoom chat together. And so they came up with a text that they had to send. They couldn't say anything else. They couldn't respond if someone came back at them with a question or something. All they had to do was send the Zoom link and say, hey, can you jump on this Zoom for a minute? That's all they could send. And the game was to see who could get the most famous person to join the Zoom chat. So apparently it started with a or it ended up being a three-hour Zoom chat, which they edited into an eight-minute video. And I never thought that I would be able to watch eight minutes of that, but I did, and I'm glad I did. So all of them were like, oh, I don't know anyone super famous. like, And they just ended up getting other sports personalities and stuff like that in. But then what happened is those people are like, why am I here? And then they explained the game to them. And then those people started getting celebrities. And so it started to build and it started to build. And I think the two most famous people that came on were Dwayne Wade at one point and Lin-Manuel Miranda joined. Oh, that's amazing. It was so crazy. And so I think those were the two biggest ones. I would say because of the fact that they're all sports people that Lin-Manuel Miranda was the bigger get because he's not involved in sports. Like he's, yeah. he's just like a huge celebrity in all worlds and not just in the sports world. Um, yeah. So I think he wins, but Clayton Kershaw joined. He wasn't wearing a shirt for some reason. I only, he was paying attention because he was like walking around with his computer, but not talking or looking at the screen. And, and all of them are like, is that Clayton Kershaw? Is that Kershaw? Is that Clayton Kershaw? And he's not responding. And it turned out to be Clayton Kershaw. Um, who else got in there? Jaleel White, <laughs> Urkel was in there. Bob Lee, of all people, joined a Zoom chat, which was pretty amazing. Um, and then 
the the NFL red zone worlds collided when you had Andrew Siciliano and Scott Hansen both on the same chat together. And Siciliano even said, he's like, we're not supposed to be on the same screen together. <laughs> Dude, I love this. Like, I, I, I saw this and I didn't click on it. But now that you're, like, validating it, I'm like, I'll... I'll definitely check this out. I, I think this is a great idea. Uh, and the fact that Clayton Kershaw couldn't figure out, um, you know, technology, that doesn't that doesn't shock me. Actually. The best he part, does not seem like a guy. Or one of the best parts was uh, Siciliano holds up uh, a Tampa Bay Tom Brady jersey that he just received. And Katie Nolan, huge Patriots fan, right? She just starts dropping F-bombs at him. Fuck you. Fuck you. Get out of here with that. <laughs> She was so upset. And every time someone joins, Katie Nolan's like, who brought you? Who brought you? Clayton Kershaw, who brought you? <laughs> I got to watch this. I that's, 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 I love that idea. And quite frankly, nobody's doing anything. Why wouldn't they do it? It, only, it would only take like Dwayne Wade, someone big, Lin-Manuel Miranda, to do that. Because then they would tell their friends. And then, then it would be like actually something that people would jump on to totally right? if you tried this in in the regular non-covid 19 world no one would click on it and join because you got to go through all sorts of like pr people to get them to join any sort of conversation yeah. but people celebrities are not working just like us sports players are not playing actors are not acting like nobody is doing anything they're just sitting around the house and so they get a text like hey join my zoom chat they're like yeah why not i got nothing else going on <laughs> Exactly. And I'm just wondering, how did uh, the Worthlessly Worthwhile boys, how did we not get an invite to this? Come it's, on. It's pretty Come shocking. Um, we've got a combined, like, 1,200 Twitter followers, so it's pretty surprising <laughs> that we weren't invited. Yeah, uh, maybe next time. Yeah. I mean, it probably has something to do with the fact that none of them know who we are, but you know, we'll get there someday. We could yeah. play this game, and uh, I wonder who the most famous person we could get. Hmm. Uh, I could get like local mayors and stuff like that. <laughs> They're boring, no. Oh, settle down, Art. That's too sexy for radio. <laughs> I could get Lisa Helps, the mayor of Victoria. I could get the Green Men. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty. Yeah, they're 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 pretty famous. Yeah, yeah they were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like you know, I could probably get a couple of people. I'm sure we could get like uh, Corey Hershon. He's probably not doing anything right now, right? You never know if, but how are you going to text them? I mean, you're going to have to try and I guess send them like a private message on Twitter or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Please join this. Please join. Maybe we should try this next worthlessly worthwhile. Who can we get on? This sounds like a a way of just proving that we don't have any famous friends. Yeah, 100%. 100%. The other thing that I've been watching a lot of, but not you know not watching like the full games or anything but just like when you flip on the tv and there's old games on you watch it just to see what it was like and so they've they had the 93 stanley cup on the canadians versus the kings and what struck me watching wayne gretzky back then is how he was just like smarter than everyone on the ice like he he used these like little drop passes or um no look passes or whatever it was like he was just smarter than everyone but it didn't like stand out to me that like oh my god this guy is just 
like Connor McDavid. He's so much faster than everyone. He has so much more skill. I think he just, he understood the game better than people did back then. And it, it had me wondering if Wayne Gretzky played in the current era, would he have been nearly as dominant as he was? Like, obviously he was an extremely special player, but he also, I think he was just ahead of his time. If he played in today's era, I think the defense and like the coaching has all caught up to it's it's tough to outsmart people now on the ice you need the skill and the hard work and the like grind it out to get things done in the NHL and I don't know I I don't think Wayne Gretzky would be Wayne Gretzky if he hadn't played in the era he played in this is where I'm going to disagree because I think he would just adapt to these times he would also the training is different. The equipment is different. The game is different. Yes, coaching is different. But he would just do it. He would do it in a different way. He would be faster than he was back then. He'd be stronger than he was back then. And he would have the hockey IQ. I think he would be, he'd still be the great one. He would still be head and shoulders above everybody else. Just, it would be different because he would have to match a different level. And I think he would do that because today's athlete is different than yesterday's athlete. That's why it's so very difficult to talk about, you know, compare players from different eras because it's just you don't know the world was different back then. I I just think if Wayne Gretzky was a young kid, you know, in Brampton, you know, skating on the ice or whatever he was back, you know, with his with his dad, he would have the new equipment it would make him faster he would he would just be a different player he would be faster bigger stronger just like today's athletes and i think what he what sets him apart is his hockey iq which i it doesn't matter what era that is i think that he you could argue that maybe players athletes are smarter now than they were back then to the game because of the coaching but i think when you got a hockey mind like Wayne Gretzky, he would just take that to an even another level, you know? So I, I, I think he would still be the great one and he would still dominate. That's I think, just what I think. No, I think you're right that he would be bigger and stronger and he would train differently and all those things. But I just think the competition is so much different because everyone now is using film study and analytics and teaching people the right spots to be based on situations. Like before... The coaching just wasn't the same, and I think the intelligence of the average NHL player right now is so much higher than it was when Wayne Gretzky played, and I don't doubt that he would be a top player in the league if he played right now, but the way he dominated, like he was three times better than the next best player, you can look at the Sidney Crosbys or the Connor McDavid's or the Alex Ovechkin's right now. They're superstars, but they, they don't dominate the sport the way Wayne Gretzky did. And I don't think he could step into this era and dominate that way just because the competition level is so much higher. It's kind of like um, Pete Sampras in his era. He kind of, he dominated his era. But if he played now... <laughs> good luck because you've got Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic. It's just not going to happen. You can't dominate your era any the way but you did because the competition is so much higher. Yeah, but this these are such hypotheticals. If there wasn't a Wayne Gretzky, maybe there isn't a Sidney Crosby or an Alex Ovechkin, you know? 
maybe the game isn't where it's at analytically, you know? Maybe it's not as popular as it is because it just exploded in the States, right? Maybe that wouldn't happen if Wayne Gretzky didn't exist, if Wayne Gretzky didn't get traded to, you know, L.A. Maybe the game would still be where it used to be and it was waiting for that superstar to take it to the next level. A lot of hypotheticals here, buddy. We could really, you know, we could debate this to the cows go home. I, I think uh, the Wayne Gretzky IQ is just like nothing anybody's ever seen, ever. So I, I think that will transcend eras. I, I believe that. The one the one thing I would actually add to your argument, it's not going to help my argument, but if, if Wayne Gretzky played with the players in this generation, think about his assists, the way he sets players up, like he just, he had a way of putting guys open. Imagine if he played with a Patrick Kane or something like that. Like, it would be insane. Yeah, he had Yuri Curry, but was Yuri Curry that special of a player? No, Yuri Curry. I mean, isn't Yuri Curry top 20 in points, initial points? I mean, he can thank would he be? Wayne Gretzky for most of those. Yeah, would yeah, he, he be top Wayne 20? Gretzky. He might be top 100. Yeah, probably, yeah, probably not. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. We don't. Uh, who's the top assist man in the NHL right now? Like, like right now. Like, yeah, like right now. Who would you say is the best playmaker in the NHL? Wow, the best playmaker in the NHL right now. That's a really yeah. good question. Is it, it Patrick Kane? It might Maybe. be Crosby. Is it Crosby still? He's special. I don't know. I think... He's he's one of those. Yeah. I. It's one of those things like. He's not he's not a flashy player and I think that's why he's been kind of underrated not underrated but undervalued his entire career like everyone knows Sidney Crosby is one of the greatest but then nobody is talking about how exciting Sidney Crosby is and so he flies under the radar a little bit everyone talks about Alex Ovechkin because he scores goals and he has that personality like eccentric personality um yeah he's fun the party guy with the Stanley Cup. Sidney Crosby is kind of vanilla when he talks, and his game, while very skilled, is not flashy in any way. Um, so I think he kind of just flies under the radar, but I do think that he sees the ice better than anyone right now, and he's I think he's the best playmaker in the NHL right now. Sure, but he's like the numbers aren't there. If you go and like look at his numbers over the past five years... I don't think he's I, I I think there's lots of players that have that put up more points than him now. And it's because he gets hurt a lot. Like he's very rarely in he's like I think if you go back and look at Crosby's last five years, I don't how many times has he finished in the top ten in NHL scoring in those five years? Well, maybe like Yeah, I just not just not that many times, right? So that's why I say that. But you know, you could obviously make a point for Sidney Crosby being the best overall player in the NHL and yeah playmaking I don't know yeah it's a it's a good conversation though um I I, I think uh, the great one would be great in any era though a debate I saw on online was uh, a different sport what if Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods were in the same era I think mm. you might have a different thought on this but I would take Jack any day if they were playing if they were both in their prime in this era <laughs> With this equipment, Jack Nicholas all day. I love Tiger, really? but Jack Nicholas was—I think he was just something special. Like what he could do with that old 
old equipment was way ahead of what everyone else was doing. Don't get me wrong. Tiger special is unbelievable, but I think Jack would wipe the floor with him. Wow. I don't know. Today happens to be also the 15th anniversary of the Masters, uh, 2005 Masters, and the uh, the the shot at 60, or is it 50? Yeah, 60, I think is it. I don't know, is it 50? Yeah, the chip-in, the, the famous in your life, have you ever seen anything like that? And I'm like... Yeah, the, the infamous call and that chip in being maybe the greatest golf shot in the history of golf shots. I don't know, man. That guy just turned golf on its head. It, he did. He changed the game forever, that guy. Um, and, you know, all these guys you're seeing now that are so good are because of because of Tiger Woods and the way he changed the game and the way he lapped the field when he was there and Nicholas was consistently great. That's why he has so many majors, right? So many wins, but Tiger had a way of dominating, lapping the field as a kid, you know, uh, like he won that one U S open by whatever it was, a thousand shots, you know, like he, he was just Tiger in his prime, man. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think, I think a lot of people, a lot of golf historians will say, there's never been a run like that. Yeah, the Tiger was, run. It was pretty ridiculous. You know? when he was like, yeah. So, how many tournaments did he win in a row? And at that time, right? Like that was crazy. Yeah. So I, like, he was on pace to just lap Jack Nicholas. You know, like everybody's like, it's not even going to be close. And then he had all the extramarital affairs. He had the, he had the uh, his body breakdown on him, uh, which I think is the true reason why. You know, he wasn't he hasn't been able to catch Jack yet. Um, but I, I'm I think you're. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot. I don't think there's no way that he would that he would just. Here's your shot. White. Here it comes. We've got it up on the iPad. The way it just hangs up on the edge, right? The crowd reaction yeah. too when it when it comes down and it hangs on the lip there and everyone goes, Oh, like, oh, so close, and then it just takes that little quarter turn and drops in, and then the explosion of energy. Man, like oh, man. that's something that I tell you no matter how great of a player you are, it's it could have it could have rolled right in and then it wouldn't have been as great of a shot yeah. like if it was a better shot it wouldn't have been as great of a shot as crazy as that sounds i know it, it, it just had all it. the elements and and the fact that it was turned into a nike commercial because the nike sign was directly in the mm -hmm. middle of the ball just before it went like it's just it was crazy and that's and that's what tiger woods was man from that like 1999 to whatever it was 2008 like it was just the guy was just unconscious. No one was close to him. No one was even close to him. He had no real rival because he was that good. So I, I don't think Tiger in his prime, Jack in his prime, 
I don't think anybody's wiping the floor with anybody. Okay. Ima imagine and... they were at at that time in the. I th it was early in his career though, but David Duvall was considered the big rival. Like, didn't they do like a made-for-TV special, David Duvall versus Tiger Woods? Yeah, I, that was the flavor of the week, though. You like, know, I I know most golf fans know who David Duvall is, but most people are going to be like, who the hell is David Duvall? I've never heard of this guy. Does he do anything? Tiger Woods versus David Duvall? Come on. And then the the Mickelson-Woods rivalry was one of those, like, like the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry up until 2003. Like, you call it a rivalry, but it's not really a rivalry because it's only a rivalry until both teams have won something. And Tiger just always <laughs> would beat Phil so easily, right? Yeah. Um. So he never really had that true rival because he well, dominated it was everyone. Always, yeah, it was always somebody different. Like, it was David Duvall, and it was Phil. There was uh, Vijay Singh, you know? Like, it was it was always someone different. And, like, all these different majors, too, that you watched in the in the final like the final round who was he up against you know oh this it was Fred couples this year or it was chris demarco this year it was never the same person right it was tiger and someone else right i think that's what so, makes yeah like i i enjoyed the tiger run and everything but i think the federer dominance is more enjoyable because he had that rival rival in rafa nadal like the two of them are the two greatest maybe of all time and they were top rivals like basically almost in their primes at the exact same time and then the fact that they both have managed to play well in their 30s but Novak Djokovic comes in like it's hard to even that's comprehend why they call it the, what's going on that's why they call tennis. it the golden era of tennis yeah, it, it, it why is why they the call it the golden era of tennis yeah that's nobody absolutely. else has a sniff like yeah okay you got the the Marin Cilic uh US Open there Andy Murray I think if if his back hadn't gone out on him he could have been right in there with Djokovic maybe not right Dude, in we there, can but... count we can count on our fingers like who else has won a major since 2000 pretty much basically not count since 2000 because you got like Agassi in there and everything but I think since what like 2005 you could say you've got Juan Martin Del Potro at the what is it yeah. the 2008 U.S. Wow. Open? 2000. Yeah. Marin yeah. Cilic was like the 2014 U.S. Open. Yeah. You got Andy Murray who won Murray a couple. Won a he couple. Won he won Wimbledon, yeah. Wimbledon yeah. and the U.S. Open, I think. Yeah, but just about every other. Uh, I well, what was his name? Um, the other Swiss guy, I think, won. won yes, Vavrinka uh, won a couple. Yeah. He won a French Open. He yeah, won an Australian Vavrinka. Open. Yeah, yeah, those two got. Yeah, those. Yeah, Vavrinka won a couple. Yeah, but like the fact that we can like think about the, the odd time someone other than Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer, and Rafael Nadal has, you know, has won the major, it's crazy. It really Over that is, long right? of a period too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's going to end at some point. It's going to be Djokovic, like Federer is going to have to retire at some point, and then Djokovic and Nadal will be the two, and then Nadal will have to retire, and someone's going to sneak in there. I just wonder who it's going to be. Is it going to be Zverev, or is yeah. it going to be Dominic Thiem, um, or maybe it's going to be someone who's who's in their later 20s, like a 
I would love to see Milos Raonic break through, but I, I think he's going to be one of those guys that, you know, topped out as a top five player and a Grand Slam finalist. Yeah. So the, uh, I don't know how we got onto tennis, but uh, we always <laughs> find a way to take a little right turn and change the topic. But one thing that I wanted to get to before we wrap this up is um, now is a good time. We're watching a lot of movies and Netflix, but there's no sports going on. Always a lot of to- topic of conversation around best sports movies, but I like to focus in on the comedy sports movies because there's a lot of good ones. So everyone knows like Happy Gilmore and Waterboy, the Adam Sandler ones. Those are great. Um, Tin Cup, I think, is a good good sports movie. It's, you know, you got the Kevin Costner uh, sports movie. We we classic like Draft Kevin Day Costner. actually too. Draft Day is good, yeah. right? The yeah. old classics in Slapshot and Caddyshack. The Replacements is a good one, but I think there's one that's more underrated than any sports comedy. Art, you know what movie I'm talking about here? Yep, getting their home team into the NBA. Now I'm talking about free corn dogs. Oh, that's right. It's free corn dog night. Let's try to win. But not win by too much. Jackie Moon, semi pro. <laughs> Corn dogs. Now Jackie. I'll tell you, I, I did I think this is like one of Will Farrell's most underrated movies. For it sure. really is. Everyone talks about Talladega Nights, Anchorman, um old school, even though he's not necessarily like the main character, but old school for sure. Nobody talks about yeah. semi pro. Step brothers. Step brothers. Even step brothers. Yeah. Uh yeah, nobody really talks about Semi Pro, which is, I think if you go at movies besides Anchorman, I think it's like my second favorite Will Ferrell like led movie. You know, the I scene, mean, it, it helps. The scene where he's uh, he's in the post and he keeps calling for the ball and no, right back to you, and he just gets the ball back and forth, back and forth. No, don't like it. Right back to you. Give it back. Yeah. No. Right back to you. This guy plays power forward for his own team. Like, so, and you know what? Like the side characters, like Will Arnett in that is yeah. so good as the color commentator. Uh, and obviously Woody Harrelson, who I think is one of the most underrated actors out there. I, I, I he's great in everything he does, and he, him there is as uh, Munson, I think his name is Monix. Monix, Monix, that's it. <laughs> He's he gets traded for a used used washing machine, <laughs> and, and Will Fer- or no Will Arnett's character is like, I would have kept the washing machine. <laughs> just so like all the lines, the subtlety in that movie, and it's just so good. I I love every joke hits in that movie. I I I'm gonna watch it maybe after we're done this podcast. <laughs> Corn dogs, Jackie. For everyone. Would you put it at the top of that list, though? It's it's tough. Semi-Pro is very underrated, so I want to put it at the top. But Happy Gilmore, to me, I think, is the best sports comedy. It's just a perfect comedy movie. Um, the best sports comedy uh, you haven't even mentioned yet. Uh, it's, it's in the top three my favorite movies of all time. And it's called Major Leagues. It's major league is it's, great. It's, of course. It is it, for me it is it is number 1 with a bullet. I will watch that movie 
forever. I will watch like if it's if it was on TV right now, it didn't matter where it is, whether it's at the beginning, the middle, or near the end, I would turn it on. Like I I I just I love the I Bob Euchre. I, I just I I love it. I love I think majorly it's my third favorite movie of all time, I think. At least it's a top three movie. For me, it's one of my favorite comedies of all time. It's fighting with Dumb and Dumber as my favorite comedy of all time. So it's uh, for me, it's number one with a bullet. Uh, obviously, Happy Gilmore is right there. You know, it's second right there with Semi Pro. I think those are the top three for me. Uh, you know, you know Happy what Gilmore, I uh, what I loved about really... our our time, like when we were growing up, is Disney for some reason was like really interested in doing sports movies that eh, I don't know if they were for kids they were kind of they were for kids really but like adults could enjoy them too but really they were for kids right and we were growing up right in that era so you got like the mighty ducks franchise was so good but baseball movies for some reason were the ones that stood out you had angels in the outfield was a great movie with danny glover right that was a good one um but the two that are underrated are um rookie of the year where the kid breaks his arm and then it like i don't know heals in a way where he can throw like a 110 mile per hour fastball and he pitches for the cubs like what a premise and then the one that i loved as a kid because i think it was my dream that something like this would happen to me was major big league where the kid's grandfather owns the minnesota twins and then when he dies, he leaves the team to the kid who's like 12 years old. And so he runs the Minnesota Twins and he the team sucks. They're losing. So he fires the manager and then he hires himself as the manager of the team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just want to tell you, like, as much as I like that movie as a kid, the um, Angels in the Outfield. You go back and watch it now. It's it's a train wreck. It doesn't hold up. <laughs> it does not hold up at all. Not even a little bit. <laughs> oh no. But um, yeah, that's a little what little yeah. I I remember watching that as a kid. I haven't seen that movie in forever, man. But I do remember like the finer points of that movie. It's good too. I should watch that one. I haven't seen it in a long time. One of the best scenes is um, he he like went before he takes over the team. One of the players is like his favorite player. And he has all his baseball cards and everything. And then the player ends up dating his mom. But as as happens with sports, the player gets a little bit older and he's not performing. And so I think he brings him in to, to cut him. <laughs> and he's just like, you know, I'm it's really difficult for me. I have all your baseball cards. Like <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Oh, uh, that that you know that movie could probably, I think you could like watch that movie and Rookie of the Year back to back, and it just it's just it's so good. Like kids love that stuff. I remember love watching that as a kid. I must have watched Rookie of the Year as a kid, like or, or yeah, Rookie of the Year as a kid. Uh, I don't know how many times, just over and over again, I'd watch that movie. And for whatever reason, the baseball movie would just stand out. You're right, and you know Mighty Ducks obviously is a standout too. Those for different reasons. <laughs> So there, uh, we've got plenty of good, good watching for you to go check out. You got uh, Sammy Pro, Happy Gilmore, Major Big League, or Little Big League, or whatever it's called. Little Big League, I think it's called Little Big League. I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Rookie of the Year. 
Art, uh, that's all the time we have for this episode of Worthlessly Worthwhile. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, I think we mentioned it earlier, but where can we find you on the Twitter machine? Yeah, at Art Aronson on all social media platforms. Also, between the stammers, between the S, check us out. Rich Brown as well on there. Yeah, that's a uh, if you if you haven't heard of between the stammers, I'm shocked that you're listening to this. But between the stammers, the Canucks podcast with Caleb Kirby and Art Aronson, and sometimes featuring myself, Rich Brown. And you can find me at Rich Brown Sports. Art, until next time. Oh, what a pleasure, Rich. This has been worthlessly worthwhile. Thanks for listening. Uh,